and she's got a great thing to say. We love you. Thank you. Um, I'm going to be one of those annoying speakers who says... I'm going to, yeah, I just wanted to put this here. Um, I'm going to be one of those annoying speakers who says the Holy Spirit's already said it all and then goes on to say it again. Sorry about that. But um, it's amazing because thank you guys for your words and I think that the Spirit's already speaking. Um, I'm going to invite the amazing Tash to come up and read for us tonight. If you haven't met Tash, get to know her. Very cool. You're going to want to be her best friend. Here she is. I'm reading from Luke 4, verse 14 to, to 21. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, this, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Amen. Thanks, Tash. Um, I love this passage of the Bible almost more than any other bit. I probably say that every time I get up here, but it, this is really true. Just wonderful. And I'm going to, um, we're going to be looking at what Jesus was talking about there in Luke. But I'm going to start with a little story. So before I moved to London, I was living in the Philippines uh, for five years. And we, myself along with some amazing Filipino friends, we uh, opened a home for girls and women who'd been trafficked in that country. And uh, I remember meeting this girl called Stella. And she was 14. She was not, by no means the youngest girl who came to live with us, but she um, had been um, lied to by a neighbor and sold to a tourist. Um, and uh, when I met her, she had dropped out of school. She wasn't speaking much. Um, I had an hour meeting with her. She couldn't make eye contact with me. And as she, when she came to live with me and and she began to worship every day and meet Father God and his love. And as she began to find out who he'd really made her to be, she became this really alive, quite cheeky teenage girl, just full of fun. And, and um, she began to be able to stand up. And whereas before she wouldn't speak, sometimes you would be like, that's enough now, you know, <laughs> wonderful. And um, while I was there, there was this massive tropical storm that blew through the, the north part of the island and obliterated much of everything that was there. UNHCR came in with refugee tents because people literally lost their crops, their homes, absolutely everything. So 
the people that I was with in the, in the city started sending teams out to, you know, with water and food and with building materials to build these just very simple homes that people live in. And um, Stella went on one of these trips um, out to the countryside with water and plywood. And um, she, you know, they were visiting all these people and, and she and a friend visited this old lady in a house and um, she was blind in one eye. And um, they said to her, um, what can we pray for you for? And she said, oh, could you pray for my knees? They're really painful. So my little girl, Stella, puts her hands on this woman's knees. She's probably 15 at this point. Puts her hands on her knees and starts to pray that the pain would leave the knees. And this old woman starts to scream out. And she goes, I can see out of my eye. And the neighbors all came around, and they were like, are you sure? And they made her cover up her good eye, and she was like, oh, yeah, you're wearing purple, and, oh, you've put on some weight, haven't you? And she could see. And, you know, they'd prayed for the knees, and the eye had gotten healed. Um, obviously, this isn't because 15-year-old Stella was um, a theological wunderkind or anything. It was because... I would say of two things, that she'd begun to find out who she was as a child of the Father, and she'd been filled with the Spirit. And um, with this passage that Tasha just read us in Luke, um, we get some of the best insight into what Jesus thought that he'd come to the earth to do. Um, he doesn't start in Luke's gospel by saying, um, repent, I've come to forgive your sins because I died on the cross for you. He doesn't start there at all. He starts instead with the poor and the brokenhearted and the sick and the oppressed. And he says that the reason that the Spirit of the Lord has anointed him was so that he could declare and bring good news to these people. So the process, as far as we can work out, is something like this. We don't have much information on Jesus and his life before this story when it says he was about 30 years old. We have the story of his birth when we know he was filled with the Spirit in, in his mother's womb. And then we have one little vignette when he was 12 and he was in the temple and he says, don't you know I should be in my father's house? So he had some idea of who he was and who his father was. But then after that, as far as we know, he'd been living a pretty regular life as a good small-town Jewish boy. He was studying the Torah, went to synagogue, and presumably apprenticing in the family furniture-making business. But then suddenly, when Jesus is about 30, this strange prophet appears in the desert, and he starts gathering crowds, and he starts baptizing, and then he says these kind of tantalizing words, Someone more powerful than I is coming. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And suddenly we have Jesus showing up in the desert wanting to be baptized. And John says, ooh, I'm not sure that I should be baptizing you. Shouldn't this be the other way around? And Jesus says, no, it has to happen this way. And then this is what happens. This is the record in Luke of Jesus' baptism. It says, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. 
and a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. So here we have Jesus about to begin his ministry. He's going to stop making chairs and tables and he's going to do what he came to the planet to do. And the first thing he does is submit in obedience to the Father. Father says, you need to go be baptized. He's like, right, and he does it. And then the Father speaks his approval over him. The Father says, you are my son, I'm pleased with you. Now notice, he's only made chairs and tables up to this point, but the Father is already saying, you're my son and I'm pleased with you. He finds his identity in the Father. And then the Holy Spirit comes on him, fills him up, comes on him in a, like a dove, which is an interesting thing. And that's how he is ready to start moving out in the miraculous. Then there's one more thing. It says, Jesus, then full of the Holy Spirit, after his baptism, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. <laughs> I might be too. It seems that he is filled by the Spirit and then is led into the desert. Probably not what he was hoping for. Uh, but I wonder if he is learning obedience to the Father there in the desert. And he is, through that suffering of hunger, learning obedience, which produces character. Romans 5, 3 to, 3 and 3 to 5 says, we rejoice in our suffering because it produces obedience, which produces character, which produces hope, because we are filled with love through the Holy Spirit who is in us. So Jesus is, is prepared in his character to do what God's asked us to do. So if you are going through a time that feels like suffering and you need endurance, press in to God. Press in and say, Holy Spirit, can you get me through this? What am I learning in this time? I'm not saying that these things are sent by God. He's not that kind of God. But when we're in them, because stuff happens in the world, doesn't it? When we're in these times, can we press into God and can we learn character? Can we learn obedience? Because Romans says we, through that we get hope. Jesus is being prepared by being filled with the Spirit and by learning obedience to the Father. And then it says, after that time of hunger in the desert, Jesus returned to Galilee and the power of the Spirit... Okay, so he's still full of the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. And he went up to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, went into the synagogue and he stood up to read. And he read that passage that Tash just read to us from the book of Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So my question is, why does Jesus say the Spirit of the Lord is on him? What's it for? It's for the bringing of the kingdom of God into the earth. 
Jesus later teaches us to pray on earth as it is in heaven. So in God's original creation, Ben talks about this to us all the time, there was no separation between heaven and earth. The rule of God was here on earth. God and people were in perfect harmony with each other. Humans were in good relationship with each other. It was heaven here on earth. And that is what we're meant to return the earth to. Because it all changed, obviously, when humans decided we knew a better way and we separated ourselves from God, who is the source of all goodness and life and love. And so Jesus was filled with the power of the Spirit so that he could begin to bring heaven and earth back together again. So that he could begin to right the wrongs that the enemy has done in the world. So that the blind could have their sight restored. And I think that's the physical blind. And it's the metaphorical blind, the spiritually blind. He began to work so that the oppressed of every kind could be set free and that the poor could begin to hear good news. But it was only when he was filled with the Spirit that he began to move into this ministry of doing these things. Matthew 18, 11 says, The Son of Man came to save that which is lost. And this word to save means to, to save a suffering one, to save one suffering from disease, to make well, to heal, and to restore to health. And so when Jesus comes to bring salvation, he's looking at the whole person. He cares about the whole of you. He cares about you emotionally and relationally and financially and physically. And he says, I'm coming to do that. But he doesn't attempt any of that until he's filled with the Spirit. So I'm going to assume that we shouldn't be any different from him. If he says, I'm filled with the Spirit so that I can preach good news to the poor, so that I can heal the blind and the sick and set the oppressed free, that must go for us because we are made in the image of God, right? In the beginning in the garden, God made perfection in the garden and it was humankind's responsibility to extend the borders of the garden into the chaos of the world and to fill the earth with the image of God. We've got a lot of chaos in our world. I think most of us would agree. And we are the image of God and we're meant to be expanding the borders of the kingdom of God so that all who are oppressed can, can come into relationship with God, so that all who are blind can see. Jesus says, I'm going to do this work because the Spirit's on me. And the same has to go for us. The verse that um, Ben spoke about this morning, in fact, we're almost saying the same thing here. So go back and listen to Ben. He probably has done it more eloquently. But he says, when, um, after Jesus goes up to heaven, he says to the, his disciples, don't leave Jerusalem. Wait for the gift my, spirit, my, my Father has promised, which you've heard me speak about. John baptized with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Remember, this was John's prophecy. One's coming who's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So Jesus says, wait here. I'm leaving, but I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in, to the ends of the earth. So when we're asking for the Spirit, we're being filled with his power. It is so we can go out, okay? I love that our practice is to say, more Holy Spirit, more Holy Spirit, come and fill me up, wonderful. 
What are we doing with what we receive? It's not just to make me feel good. It's not just to give me a happy life so I can plan my next holiday to Spain, okay? I am going on a holiday to Spain this summer, so I'm not against it. But we are here for so much more than this, guys. The Holy Spirit's filling us up so that we have the power to impact the world, so that we have the power to do what no one else can do. Um, these are Jesus' last words to his disciples before he goes up to heaven, so I think we need to maybe listen to them. Clearly, he's commissioning us to carry on his work here. But without being filled by the Spirit, we're not going to be able to do it. Um, the world is full of people doing wonderful things. They've got great plans and strategies and budgets and boards. You know, <laughs> wonderful. But that is not going to change our world. The power of the Spirit is going to change our world. So when I was working with them, um, survivors of trafficking, we had this sort of saying of, we've, we've managed to get the girl out of slavery. How do we get the slavery out of the girl? How do we get her set free on the inside? This is what only the Spirit can do, and this is the answers that we have. Okay, I, I'm working in an in a environment sometimes where, where we're signposting people to services. That's great but it's not going to solve their problems. <laughs> they need to be full of the Spirit, and we need to be full of the Spirit so that we have those solutions that are spiritual, not practical. Do you hear what I'm saying? You know, this is our job. Boris, bless him, is doing his best. He's not full of the Spirit, as far as I know, but you are, yeah? What are you doing, what am I doing in the sphere where, we, where I have some influence because we are full of the Spirit and we are filled by the Spirit so that we can go out and do what we're meant to do. I'm coming back to on earth as it is in heaven. What is it like in heaven? That's a good question to be asking. What, what would my street look like if it looked like heaven? What would my workplace look like if it was like heaven? Is there sickness in heaven? Is there relational breakdown in heaven? Is there hierarchy and oppression in heaven? No. So how can we bring heaven to earth now? I think it's by going on being filled by the Spirit, because then we're empowered to use the gifts of the Spirit to preach the gospel. Um, we had, uh, just going to try and give a few examples, so we know it doesn't only happen in third world countries, but um, we had uh, someone come into our food bank a few weeks ago, and Dwayne and I prayed with him. Is Dwayne here? No. Okay. Um, Dwayne and I prayed with him, and we had a word of knowledge for him about something that happened when he was a child, and he just could not, he was just like, how do you know this? I've been looking for a counselor to talk to me about this, but I've never told anyone, how do you know? And we said, well, we don't know. God knows. He knows you. And he said, God doesn't know me. And we were like, no, clearly he does. And he was like, oh, yeah. And, um, you know, he can't stay away since then. And he's coming back and he's come to worship a few times on Sunday. And he's like, wow, this God who knows me, this God who's gone to the, the deep part of my pain that's actually ruined my whole life, this God is maybe worth pursuing. Um, some of us are... Um, 
very concerned about youth violence in this area. There have been two shootings in the last five weeks in this area. And we've, we've, we've been saying, all right, Holy Spirit, what do we do? What, we're filled with the Spirit. Um, the police have said, we don't know what to do. They've actually said that to me. Uh, they've asked if we've got any out-of-the-box solutions. So we've said, well, could we go out and pray? And they've said, yes, by all means, go and do that. So some of us have been praying in the spots where the shootings have been in the last few weeks. And uh, actually, that a club where, that, where some of the stuff happened has been shut down now. And, and the council's asking for applications for what, what do we do with this space now. This is, Holy Spirit, you come, you bring your solutions, because... We've got the Spirit of God to start to change things. Um, here's what the full portion of Isaiah says that Jesus quoted. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, release from the darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And I'm wondering when we look around us, how many broken-hearted people do we see? And how many people who are captive to addictions, to anxiety and depression, to, you know, terrible relation, relational patterns. How many people do we see around us who need release from darkness? And the beautiful thing is that Jesus was saying, quoting this bit in Isaiah where he says, he's come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So many people have an idea of an angry God who's going to wrathfully judge us, but he says, no, I've come because this is the time of the Lord's favor. We need to be proclaiming that. God favors you. Jesus died on the cross so that you could receive all of his love. But he says he's always also bringing the day of the vengeance of our God, and I think that's vengeance against injustice. Um, that we've suffered. He comforts all who mourn. He provides for those who grieve. This, these are the people who are on God's heart. And they should be the people on our heart too. And the good news is that we, like Jesus, have the spirit of the sovereign Lord on us so that we can do something about it. Ben was saying this morning, the only time the spirit is given is so that we could go and proclaim Jesus. In the Old Testament, you have the Spirit of the Lord fell on a certain person, and it was there for a finite period of time till they'd done the job that God asked them to do, and then the Spirit kind of went back again. But Joel says, the time's coming when I'm going to pour out my Spirit on all flesh, sons and daughters, slaves and free, all the people are going to be able to receive the Spirit. And Jesus says, it's so that you can set the oppressed free. Does that make sense? So we're very good at being like, Jesus, come and fill me. Let's keep doing that. But then the next step is, Jesus, who am I to give this away to? It's not enough that I've eaten a big meal and then I walk past, past someone hungry. It's not okay to do that. It's 
physically, but spiritually, it's not okay for me to just be like, whew, I'm receiving, and then I'm done. We need to be giving away. If you think of um, a lake, if there's an, a, a, a water, a, like an inlet flowing into the lake, but there isn't one flowing out, what happens to that body of water? Thank you. Yeah, just go stagnant. We've got to be flowing in and flowing out, constantly receiving, constantly being filled with the Spirit, and then saying, Lord, who in my office needs something today? What does my neighbor need today? There's this great, one of my favorite bits in Isaiah, which says this, the sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. I want to have the word that sustains the weary because everyone around me is pretty weary. And God says, I've got the word for them. I was in a pub with a friend probably a year ago and getting a drink and I just said to the Lord, what, what's the word for my bartender lady? <laughs> and he said, um, tell her I see how beautiful she is. And I'm like, all right, here we go. Um, and I said, you know, this is a little weird. I'm trying to practice hearing from God. Can I tell you what I think he might be saying to you? And she's like, yeah, go ahead. And I just said, I think he says um, to tell you how beautiful you are. And um, he knows that you've had trouble believing that. She starts to well up with tears running down her face. That was the word that sustained the weary just for her. And then I got my drink and left. That was it. But, um, you know, God, we, we are full of his spirit so that we can be giving life to people around us who are dying. And we can be giving taste to people that God favors them, that this is the year of his favor. Yeah? They need to know that they're loved and seen and cared about by a God who's got a great plan for their lives, more than just getting on the housing ladder and going to Spain. Yeah? We are here for a purpose. And... We've got so much to give away. So how do we receive the Spirit? We do so much of this here, but Luke 11 just says, ask. <laughs> it says, if you ask your father for a fish, he won't give you a snake instead. So how much more will your father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit when you ask him? So this is something we do when, corporately when we're together. It's something we need to be doing every morning when we wake up, like that Isaiah passage that says, he wakens my ear to hear, Lord, what have you got for me today? What adventure are we going on? Who are you going to bring me to? Can you give me a word or a picture for somebody in advance? Yeah, that's a fun thing. All these, all these really fun ways to live. Holy Spirit, fill me when I wake up in the morning. Holy Spirit, fill me when I'm getting on the bus. Holy Spirit, fill me when I'm out playing football with my friends. We need to be asking for your gifts, for the gifts of the Spirit, so that we can give stuff away to a world that is dying, for a world that is really struggling. And we've got good news to give, and we've got the power of the Spirit to give it away, okay? So on this Pentecost day, I'd like to encourage us to receive more of the Spirit and then be asking him, how do I give that away? Yeah? I think let's do a bit, of, a bit more receiving now. I know we've been doing lots today. But why don't you just um, stand up again and uh, close your eyes. Open up your hands if you'd like to do that.
And you can just tell the Holy Spirit, yeah, I want this. I want to be filled up by you so that I've got something to give away. You can just start asking the Spirit, who am I to be giving Jesus away to? You might have a specific person in mind. You might have a, a demographic in mind. Just some people who are on your heart and who, who you really feel God's compassion for. And just come and fill us, Holy Spirit so that we can be full of the power of the Spirit, so we can operate in the gifts of the Spirit, so that people who are in bondage, people who are blind, can be set free and can see. I'm just going to ask a few people to respond and is it okay if we stay where we are then or do you want people to move okay all right so you can come to the middle if you want to respond to any of these things and we'll, we'll pray for each other but um i think some people it would be great if we responded to that word where jesus makes breakfast for his disciples and then he says i want you to go and do what i've done I want you to fish for men. I want you to find those who don't know me yet and make disciples. And if you know that you've been living a slightly um, insular life with your eyes slightly focused on you, but you want them to be looking out on those who don't know Jesus yet, just come and we'll pray. I want to pray for people who are working in vocations where you're setting people free, that you've chosen a vocation that is really about letting people be set free, but you want to, um, we want to pray for you that you would learn to do that more in the power of the Spirit, even if you're working in a secular setting, that you'd have the power of the Spirit to be able to bring um, kingdom answers in that setting. Um, I'd like to also pray for those who are going through that hard time, that you are one of the ones who needs <laughs> that comfort, that you are one of the brokenhearted right now, and that's okay, and God really cares about you. <laughs> And he's going to be setting you free and binding up your broken heart so that you are able to go out, yeah? So this is not to come with any condemnation, but it's to come as you are where you are and say, Lord, would you get me ready so that I can give away the beautiful things that you've given me? So those who are just struggling and you need that endurance and you need that hope, I just felt like the Holy Spirit really wants to pour out hope on us today. Um, come on 
come on up into the middle and we'll pray. And if you're like that Isaiah 55, that you know that you've got this deep thirst or hunger inside you, that there's like a restlessness inside you that you can't fill. And that Isaiah passage says, why are you spending all your effort on something that isn't going to satisfy you? If you just want the Holy Spirit to come and satisfy you, just come on up. So if it's any of those things, just come into the middle and do that now. And we'll pray for each other. Just keep your hands open. And we'll just say, Holy Spirit, come. Some more space as well behind there. So if you find it too crowded there, just come over there. And when you come up, just close your eyes again. Just put your hands out in front of you. Keep that posture of receiving. So Holy Spirit, fall afresh. And those who have come up now. 